Kaitranada is Haitian-born, Canadian-raised Louis Kevin Celestin. Finding a love for DJing and producing in his teens, Kaitranada released digital EPs, albums and remix compilations where he honed his skills with musical frills. Working with pillars of the industry, Snoop Dogg, Kendrick Lamar and Gorillaz, Kaitranada has woven his way into the hearts and minds of music contemporaries across the globe. You're tuned into Roots to Grooves. Come along to Roots to Grooves with myself, Jay Purcell, and Mr. Jesse Quigley over here. Jesse. Yeah, what's up? How you doing? Going, doing good, man. It's been a whole week since we did the uh, episode on Zero Seven. Yeah, so. I didn't say bye to you last time. How are you? Was it, were you okay? It was great. I, I just was, walked out as soon as, even before we hit stop recording. Yeah, you just left. And, I was kind of uh, over that episode. I had to press stop recording by yourself no, <laughs> in the dark it's kind of an in-joke right because we actually just recorded that episode don't tell them jay oh, we wow. talked about this we don't say that on the air you don't really reveal the secrets you didn't hear the that production. Zoom, 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 zoom. Re, re, rewind <laughs> okay no rooster grooves what up yeah we're talking about k trinata today yes we are back 2022 talking about k trinata used to go by k tradamus oh yeah okay Okay, just I, hopping right in. Hopping right in. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't even have my notes open, Jay. <laughs> okay, I don't know why I'm starting yeah, off. Yeah, you already started. You're like, oh, I have a um, mess from me. But yeah, so this guy, what kind of music would you say it is? Well, um, there's, a, there's a lot going on here, but... Uh-huh. Here's a lot of different um, influences. Well, let me start with how he described it himself in a tweet. Nice. We'll start um, this episode off with a tweet. He said it... Well, I don't have the full tweet in front of me, but he said... Black Tropical House. Mm-hmm. Um, he said he said it was just a tweet because people kept asking him what type of music <clears> he was doing and what he thought he sounded like. Mm-hmm. And he felt he had to respond, so he said Black Tropical House. Mm-hmm. Um, he said Tropical House being a thing, it's already kind of out there, um, but he's adding the influences of black music. And he said he didn't want to bring race into it, but, you know... He comes at it from a lot of influences from hip hop and R and B, um, and you know African music and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, yeah, his stuff can be considered electronic, yeah, funk, yeah. dance, yeah, um, you know, probably some chill wave, yeah, hip hop influence, R and B influence, yeah, yeah, um, but then some more kind of modern influence, like kind of you know Flying Lotus mm-hmm. type stuff, kind of psychedelic even, yeah, psychedelic electronic. Yeah, influence, and I think to throw out throw out already some of his his influences, uh, Jay Diller, Madlib, nice. Flying Lotus, like you said. Um, but if you like those artists, you and if you haven't heard of Kate Trinata, which I'm sure you would have had by now if you're mm-hmm. into those artists, mm-hmm. um, then you're gonna like what he's doing as well. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, I guess let's dive in. Kate Trinata yeah. is Lewis Kevin. Kevin. Yeah, I'm. I need to not wake up. I don't not know what Kelvin. Kelvin. <laughs> Lewis Kevin Celestin? Yeah. Kelliston? Cel- I say Celestin. Celestin, yeah. With the C. Yeah. Um, so he was born in Haiti. Yeah. Um, but he didn't live there for long. No, I but think his... he was just a few months old when his parents relocated yeah. to Canada. Yeah, yeah to, mm. to Quebec. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, his family lived in Haiti. He was born in Haiti, moved to Montreal, Quebec. Yeah. Um, Montreal's a city. Do the geography portion of our episode. It's the French-speaking portion of Canada. Yeah. Um, but he grew up in a in a small town, um, uh, outside of uh, Quebec, a place called Saint. Well, they this is this is how they pronounce it. If you're French, Saint Hubert. Hubert. Saint Hubert or Hubert is how it's spelled. Hubert. Saint Hubert, but Saint Hubert is how they call it. I like it. Uh, it's a tiny little town in the suburbs outside Quebec, and uh, he said he loves it there. Or he, mm-hmm. I don't know if he's still living there right now, but um, yeah, it's uh, you know a place that is home for him. You know, since being a mm-hmm. baby, ba- basically. 
Yeah, um, we'll, we'll get into it. But I think, yeah. I mean, he, he came out with a lot of his first material by making it at home. Yeah, yeah. At that same home. Yeah, yeah. I think in the basement. Yeah. So, so really cool. Um, I mean, homegrown artist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, made, made his own way. Yeah. Made a space for him in the in the music industry. Yeah, and he's doing his thing. Really successful. Only has two or three albums out. What is it? Yeah, I think he has uh, three full length. Oh no, two full length. Just two. Just, just two. Yeah. Yeah. Bubba's the second one, and then ninety nine point nine percent was his first LP. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we're kind of going backwards here. Let's start yeah. at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Haiti, Quebec. Yeah. He's a kid. Yeah. Starts falling in love with uh, like DJing. I guess that's in his teen years, but I mean, obviously we kind of touched on some of his early influences. Yeah. Um, he was getting into some influences like Justice. Yeah. Like electronic influences, Justice, Daft Punk. Yeah. yeah. Big one. Uh, David Guetta. Yeah. Um, so this kind of, this big poppy electronic stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mixing that with his DJing and they got interested in building his own music. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Go yeah. I, I mean, I guess, I guess we're basically there. He's making a lot of these, this music and figuring out um, stuff with his brother, I guess. Yeah. You know anything about his brother? I don't think he's like an artist, but he was in some interviews describing how they were growing up together. Yeah. He has a, uh, I don't know how many siblings he has. He has at least two sisters and one brother. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he has any more siblings, but that's all I've heard him talk about. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he grew up in this household in St. Hubert and he uh his parents split up when he was uh pretty young i think from the sounds of things and um but also he kind of talked a lot about his upbringing with his parents still being together like basically saying he he came up in a strict household Mm -hmm. um and yeah i think his parents wanted him to kind of go a more academic route yeah um for his life yeah and he was he was in school yeah i know we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit but Back to you, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he, uh, yeah, he said like he, he wasn't allowed to go out. Um, you know, his dad was into music, I think, mm-hmm. played a lot of music around the household. Um, he said his dad played a lot of uh, the traditional Haitian music, which is called compa, I think, um, which uh, Cajun artists said that he did not like when he was a kid. He mm. didn't like his dad was like, listen to this, listen to this. And he was always like, mm. I want to listen to Jay-Z. I want to listen to like he, this other yeah. stuff, you know. So he's kind of forced to listen to it a little bit. Um, but, you know, but his dad did listen to other stuff as well and had a collection at home, had like this stuff. Um, he said, though, when he when his dad did move out of house, though, he like took the turntable away and all of this stuff kind of thing. So mm. he'd, he'd sort of lost access to that sort of portion of music accessibility sort of thing. Um but yeah, basically, you know, yeah, he said his parents were strict. He, he couldn't go outside of the house until he was 19, he said, like by himself, you know, just in the evening or whatever. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. That. I mean, it yeah. sounds almost a little bit of a sheltered yeah, type deal. a little bit, yeah. And I think... Because like, ni- 19 years old, you can go to war. Yeah. You know, yeah. but you can't go outside your house. Well, you can drive at 16. Right? Yeah. So, you know, um, yeah, I mean, that's it sounds a bit tough, you know. And I think like, yeah sheltered maybe the way to say conservative yeah culturally or whatever yeah. i don't know yeah and um but so you know he was able you know to be getting into music yeah i think he was hard, like, um yeah. yeah building a love for it yeah you know, discovering a love for it and through his siblings as well like he, he he talks a lot about like his sisters being into like kind of like the pop r&b that was happening mm-hmm. at that time and how he would listen to a lot of that stuff and he'd like even makes make mixtapes for his sister's car kind of thing yeah like, you know and and with his brother as well you know doing a lot of um uh like you know listening to music and and it was actually through his brother that he said he so well there's two things that happen here let me back up a little second <laughs> Because he has a cousin as well. He said a close cousin showed him virtual DJ. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he said it was, this was at a time when his father had already left, the turntable had left the household. Um, and his cousin showed him this software called Virtual DJ where he said you could take tracks and you could scratch them. And he was like, I didn't know you could do that mm-hmm. on the computer sort of thing. And he was sort of really mesmerized by that and interested by that. And so he started to like do his own mixes in that software, Virtual DJ. 
But then his brother also uh, was the first one that introduced him into music production um, by basically showing him Fruity Loops. Yeah. So um, they. Yeah. So, and so that, that's kind of yeah. adding to my question. Yeah. What, was his brother into music? Was he producing music? Or think, he just yeah. had a little bit of know-how about this uh, you know, digital audio workstation? I think he was definitely into music because basically he said his brother showed him Fruity Loops and, and Cajun artist said he basically installed it and uninstalled it like multiple times because every time he installed it and he was like trying to figure out how to use it, he's like, he couldn't figure it out. So mm -hmm. he just basically deleted it from the computer. He's like, I don't, whatever. Yeah, it was crazy. And then like, and then his brother finally was like, no, look, this is how you do it. This is what you do kind of thing. And then he was like, oh, okay, I get it now. Mm -hmm. And then and just the basic stuff. Like he yeah. didn't, he didn't, yeah. Kutranata didn't understand how to put the different tracks. And I think just, probably just, just like just like everyone. the user interface like yeah you don't know where to start what button to push yeah to make the computer do what you want yeah because so. a lot of times all this stuff is very overwhelming right like you mm -hmm. you're confronted with software you've never used before and you're like it looks like you're stepping into like a cockpit of a 747 <laughs> and you're like i don't know what these buttons do yeah, exactly yeah and it's like all you like yeah it's the same thing all you want to do is fly mm -hmm. yeah but you have to like figure out this shit and it's the same thing with like this music stuff all you want to do is create music mm -hmm. you want to figure out what like all this that's still thing. my main like, me too, point yeah. of anxiety like how do, i can't send my thing the yeah the right file that's been my biggest um uh blocker as well with like music computer music production is mm -hmm. the software and my impatience with one you know learning it and then doing it and i think like you just you do have to take a step back at a certain point and take the time to learn it before you can do it you know you got to walk before you can run yeah so it's like even though you've got these impulses and this passion to create that's the thing with music for me it's it's been it's always been quicker and easier for me to just pick up random instruments make random noise record it than it's there yeah right that's the and even back in the day how music has been made since the age of computers that's how you did it right mm -hmm. you know yeah. um but now in the age of computers it's like it's it's weird it's like easier in some ways but it's harder in other ways you're right because yeah. you can't just like go and record it and then have it i mean you can if you find the right sort like logic mm -hmm. and you just record or garage band or whatever you just record into it and but still there's a little bit of you know you have to figure out how to do that and right. get the audio and all that shit um anyway digression but no, like totally. yeah i mean uh, yeah but once he figured his he's his brother kajanada showed him fruity loops he married his love of listening to music and doing mixes and virtual dj mm -hmm. with discovering the world of sampling and, right and uh, bringing in tracks and um and uh you know sampling and learning the art of sampling as well he said like when he when, when he learned the um the concept of chopping samples mm -hmm. um kind of like i think probably from listening to jay diller but also like learning about how jay diller put his tracks together mm -hmm. with the chopping techniques like that's what opened up like his his imagination basically i think um seeing that you could you know take stabs or elements of a song and put them into the, like these one hit stabs and then mm -hmm. reorder it and create your whole new composition from it sort mm -hmm. of thing i think was what really yeah i mean i mean yeah, this, uh, yeah. Was, this was him discovering yeah yeah that whole world yeah, yeah. and the capabilities yeah and then getting to to meet in the middle of this, this crazy stuff in his imagination yeah and on this you know hardware yeah and he can make music yeah yeah so an awesome kind of moment yeah uh that probably took place over multiple moments over a couple of years even and you know yeah, yeah. during while well, during his discovery of music and this hardware and everything started to come together is what i'm saying yeah, yeah. so um yeah so everything's looking good he's yeah. kind of finding his place yeah how he likes to spend his time as a young yeah. lad yeah um and i mean yeah so i mean he just got really good at that and he started djing yeah doing live stuff yeah and just kind of honing in his skills yeah um just kind of kind of doing that and i guess he just started issuing some digital digital eps yeah and started putting stuff out there some I singles and eps remix compilations yeah soundcloud was a big thing um he i think when he started putting out stuff he's it was it was at the right time in history where um soundcloud was like a 
uh, the place to go discover. It's like the cool yeah. spot. Like a lot of people have come up from uploading to SoundCloud and getting big, like Tom Mish, mm-hmm. John Rakai, I think. Um, we haven't done an episode on Tom Mish, actually, I don't think. We no, he'd be that. a good one? Yeah. Um, and Keishinada. Also, uh, Soul Lection, you know, um, they have a... Uh, they had a radio show out for ages it's on Apple Music right now, but like Joe K from uh, Soul Lection was, he- as a DJ, heavy into curating and finding music mm-hmm. from soundcloud including kate trinada i think he discovered kate trinada that way as well gotcha. played, played him and stuff like that nice. um, now i think we're outside like soundcloud isn't that anymore it doesn't seem so right like i don't know what the new platforms are i mean it's even like spotify is yeah. becoming like the casual serious place to have your music i mean if you know how to find the music on spotify like, I mean, there's the search functionality in there, but there's also these other websites that will show you like the but new releases that have come out on Spotify. It's, it's more like curated, that. but yeah. still like yeah. SoundCloud or even yeah. like Bandcamp, Bandcamp is a little bit more wild, wild west. Yeah. As, as, as far as new music discovery goes. Yeah, yeah. At this moment in time, 2022. Bandcamp's probably like the, the new better place, right. maybe. But I feel I haven't really like gone into the discovery mechanisms on there i i've just known trying to use soundcloud it's been hard for me to discover new music like, yeah i've never yeah. liked the way that yeah. the interface works no. i never got it i've like, I never really used it i've always wanted to try and search genres or find artists in the in the same city as me and mm-hmm. i've failed every time i've tried to do that yeah so i don't really know what is the best way to find music on there like, mm-hmm. maybe they it was it better in the past and they changed it now i don't know right I know there's like a lot of communities that or like groups that spun up around SoundCloud that yeah. existed and like little, yeah, like people that were curating things and putting playlists together and people would start to get to know about that. And But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like, you know, Keishinada was basically just DJing out and uploading his remixes and flips and sampled beats to SoundCloud kind of thing. And and this was like mid two thousands. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. 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 When he started this journey. Yeah. Um, cause it wasn't until, I mean, yeah, it was probably late 2000, the late two thousands, like from 2005, 2010, he started to release some digital EPs and compilations and stuff. Yeah. And that's when he was going under the name Katra Domus. Right. That was kind of his first iteration of his yeah. alter ego persona. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as you know, artist name. Yeah, yeah. So cool. Yeah. Like I said, remix compilations, some EPs, some albums out on SoundCloud, just getting stuff out there. Yeah. Getting his craft down, figuring out what he likes, who he is. Yeah. What his art's about. Um. And then yeah, I guess Katranada arrived during early 2010s. Right. Yeah. Is yeah. about where we're at now, and that's like ear perking remixes. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at my notes, an array of sounds. Going from Jay Dilla inspired hip hop beats um, to kind of woozy house grooves. Yeah. So kind of finding his little niche yeah. where he likes to be. Well, he said like there's a few things when he started making his own beats. I think one of them he said he just started make making house music, but mm-hmm. um, heavily inspired by David Guetta, like he was trying right. to make that type of music. Um, and then he, when he discovered like Jay Diller and Madlib and that he was trying to do that mm-hmm. and kind of like uh, basically mimic those things. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm getting a little bit ahead because I don't want to get here just yet because I have something I want to play, but I'm going to say it anyway. Okay, <laughs> go for it, go for it. Um, it was basically his remix of the Janet Jackson song mm. um, that that really like blew up for him. And he, and he said, um, I'm just trying to find the name of that. It's called If was the name of the song. 2012, he remixed that. Mm. And uh, he he said he, at that time, he was just basically trying to make music exactly like Jay Diller and all that. And then he went to a Flying Lotus show. And that same night, he came back and he felt super inspired. And for some reason, he selected this song and decided to remix it. And he did it really quick. He said it was like 4 a.m. when he like uploaded it. And then he to his SoundCloud, which had 3,000 followers at that time. 
and then he went to sleep and then when he woke up he just had all these constant notifications from soundcloud like people liking his track and all that sort of stuff and, and he was like what happened and like apparently there was like some big youtube channels that picked it up re-uploaded it to youtube that had like a lot of followers nice and shared it out that way and this one remix just basically like blew up and, and for him he said it was a pivotal moment because he was he decided to try and figure out a sound that was unique to him instead of trying to copy and sound the same as jay diller and all that right you know, he was trying to find his unique voice his sound kind of thing and mm -hmm. he feels like he found it on that remix and it was just like a total moment of inspiration right and yeah just organicness just overflowing out of yeah. him after that show yeah, yeah 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 which is amazing you know he didn't overthink it didn't put any thought into it mm -hmm. just was inspired did just it. caught a vibe caught a vibe did go it go produce right. something yeah, and it yeah. came out right yeah yeah so yeah. i mean meant to be yeah and we can we can play a little bit of that if you want to hear it like the you want to give us the, like a 10 sec clip yeah of uh if from uh janet jackson i'm not sure when the original came out of that if it's an old track or probably in the 90s yeah i don't know maybe uh, early 2000s snippet there of his remix yeah it sounds cool and i think it was also different because he he decided to go kind of like for for house kind of dancey versus like more of his hip-hop stuff that he was doing um prior to that immediate moment mm -hmm. um although it's interesting that he did say he started out doing like edm music when he first started producing so right kind of a little bit of a mini full circle like tiny full circle i mean yeah there, he's circling in on himself quick yeah he's making a quick, lot of progress yeah. Yeah, basically yeah. is what's happening is what i what i see yeah what year did that come out that was 2012 he did that remix okay yeah and then yeah i got so 2013 he officially came out as uh kate Renata. yeah and then yeah was coming out with some more stuff in 2014 the next year he re remixed disclosures yeah song january right produced um I, in addition, he also produced My Block for one of his personal heroes, Mob Deep. Mm, yeah. So, you know, he's he's making a name. He's working with his yeah. cohorts also in the industry and stuff, yeah. making moves. Um, he made his XL label debut that same August in th 2014 with Leave Me Alone, mm -hmm. a collaboration with the vocalist and um, another guy from Montreal, Shay Leah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, like couple of things here so like one thing is like he said when he first was able to like leave his home at 19 and go out by himself mm -hmm. kind of thing he said he just did discover um a whole scene of other producers in in montreal um and he called like the music was seen was called pew pew i think i don't know how to spell that but he he mentioned it i think i'm pronouncing it correctly pew pew music scene right um uh by this one producer v looper was a guy um that sort of coined that phrase kind of thing and um 
there was an art collective I'm trying to find the name of it i don't know if i can but um in in montreal and it was a place that he would go to oh man can we do it can i find it yeah art, art beat montreal was this place um that he gravitated to that was basically where it started and it was like a it's a place that invited different producers to come to in the area and then mm -hmm. share music with each other okay and so everyone would bring their beats and listen to it and stuff like that and i think that's where like v looper like performed because they do performances there and stuff katrin artist said that was the first gig he ever did as well was performing there nice. djing um but it, but like, yeah, somehow he's just like, I don't know what research he did or how he found out about all this stuff, but he, he found this place and he found all these other producers and they were like making music like him, like, and, and had he found this, his people. Yeah. Had the same influences and in that, which is insane, like to find so quickly. I think that's like a, I think if you forget about like the success of the Janet Jackson, uh, remix blowing him up. I feel like the I feel like it's successful to just find a group of people that are doing the same type of music as you. Yeah. Like that early on cuz I didn't find that when I was growing up. Like I mean I I was in bands and I you know did certain things but when I was starting to get into other sorts of genres of music I couldn't really find the people like that were in it was like for me it was really tough like yeah. to do that like um but for him he found he seemed to have found his his, his group of people like mm -hmm. really quickly kind of thing which i think you know if he hadn't have done that i don't know if he'd maybe even be where he's at today if he didn't do that. i mean maybe he would have found a different avenue maybe he would have still done the janet jackson remix or whatever mm -hmm. but i think just being around those people i think really influenced him in a good way you know he sort of yeah. he drew parallels to like um there was this night in la that used to happen called low in theory um which was a big thing in LA like it was like uh, guys like peanut butter wolf mm -hmm. um bunch of like big DJs that like uh, I think flying lotus was part of that low in theory night as well okay. that happened yeah. kind of thing and all those producers around then but he found his equal thing you know in Canada with all with these other groups of producers sort of thing so um, invaluable for his career yeah i would think so yeah that's great yeah um hopefully we can all find our people like that one day yeah i mean if you haven't already <laughs> yeah and it's like but the but it was the janet jackson remix that blew him up big he said it changed everything for him and i think like if if we talk like we've done episodes before where we're trying to find the pivotal moment or like a moment where how do this artists get like, signed or whatever and stuff like that the, yeah yeah i think for him it was that because it basically blew up his subscriber base mm -hmm. like his followers on soundcloud on twitter and social media basically um to the to a point that when he released something new there was now a large audience to hear that right kind of thing and his next stuff was just as good as the last you know because it's natural talent really at the end of the day Kachinada mm -hmm. is super talented and you know if you're doing good stuff and more people know about it then it's gonna blow up right like yeah, if you're putting yeah, exactly. trash out then it's not gonna <laughs> if you don't do take your trash like out to the curb they're not gonna take it <laughs> exactly yeah. you know no uh, no exactly though yeah. so i mean i mean i guess it's a testament to like not even just in music but if you're trying to do something or be somebody then surround yourself with the people who are doing that mm -hmm. no matter what it is mm -hmm. if it you know whatever whatever genre of life whatever aspect whatever job yeah yeah trying but, to be an artist but also the exposure right so it's like yeah so like on the in the behind the scenes like he had he found his group of people which i think was making him a better producer mm -hmm. through either just listening to others getting critiqued or whatever or it being influenced by what others were doing right but also like having this online audience now which is so much bigger than when he started mm -hmm. and you know and then it uh like that caught the ear of people in you know important places or whatever like he i mean janet jackson called him on the phone because she'd found out about the remix like madonna had called him on the phone like all these people was all of a sudden hearing his name mm -hmm. hearing his music and uh 
just I think if we talk about pivotal moments, that's the thing that's like that creating momentum for him, like right. taking him from being a bedroom producer to a career producer or yeah. something like that. You know? No, hundred percent. It sounds yeah. like that was yeah. a huge yeah yeah point of yeah. you know yeah. a catalyst for his career. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's great. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah. What a, what an experience it must have had. He he had a, uh, he was doing good work slowly but surely but it seems like it kind of must have sped up his, yeah. his growth and his you know his outreach and who he was getting in front of yeah yeah or at least the music yeah so i mean yeah getting a, a phone call from janet jackson casual <laughs> yeah oh, oh janet yeah so, exactly. yeah 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 i got you on speed dial. right place right time yeah, yeah. so that's, that's good stuff yeah that's that's my advice if you're trying to do something surround people yeah surround yourself with people who are already doing it yeah and go for it so, yeah, awesome. So I guess, uh, I mean, yeah, so the point of what I was going to say that I just rethought of mm. was that instead he could have just tried to make his first album right off the bat, like, I want to be a musician. I'm going to make an album. Mm. But he he didn't do that. He came out with singles, some EPs, just putting it out, not putting it out on Spotify and Apple Music. I don't even know if those existed in the, you know, early when he was first starting. Right. Um, but he was just putting stuff out, creating things and putting it out for free, not big, huge projects who he's pushing with a lot of money and big tours and stuff, you know, just, that's what helped him propel into, you know, his first album with a lot of backing that yeah. allowed him to have a lot of features on his first album, yeah. um, creating more and more energy around it and more outreach and more connection, more networking. Yeah. So he just did a really good job networking and, and producing things and pushing it out for free, creating value before anybody knew who he was. Yeah, yeah. Allowing people to value him as an artist. Right. And then therefore be valuable when he comes out with new stuff. Yeah. So awesome. I think that's a big lesson plan. he learned from the people he found as well, mm -hmm. is that value of putting stuff out for free and building the audience. Yeah. Like that, I think that was what he saw others doing as well. Mm -hmm. and like, yeah. And that, yeah. that was his, that's all he needed. He was like, that's yeah. how you do it. That's yeah. what I'm going to do. Yeah. yeah. Then yeah. boom. Yeah. And I mean, I guess that leads us to his first album. Yeah. Is that, is that where we're about at? Well, I do have a little clip here of his first EP. Oh, then let's get that. Yeah. Um, Came out in 20... 13 it was called Ketra Todo and um it's like it's pretty long it's like 27 minutes that's like almost an album for some people these days yeah yeah <laughs> um and I think it, it must have come out just on SoundCloud or somewhere I think if it was like three minutes longer it would be over at the 30 minute window and it would technically be an album yeah not an yeah. extended um, play but uh, the only place I found right now is on YouTube. Mm. And it was uploaded in 2014. So like only like before his debut album and like a year after this came out. Mm -hmm. So I'll just gonna play a little bit of Killer Cats, which is the opening track. Nice. From this. Killer Cats from Katrina's first EP, 2013, Katra Todo. Pretty good. Pretty lively. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty bass. Hip hoppy. Yeah. 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 Pretty fun. Could use some vocals on it too, but it was instrumental. Yeah. 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 No, I'm not saying either way. I'm just saying <laughs> they're both good. Um, but yeah, cool. That was 2013. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So Katra Todo. A there's a few, like, you know, as I was digging around, it was sort of unclear what, what his first like a like actual public thing might be out yeah of. i found a few things he's probably not sure either yeah like i found like so there's that one that ep 2013 there's also um 10 years ago i think i i basically went to his soundcloud and saw what his first thing on there was which might not be his first thing he might have like 
hidden some things that or, were first. Yeah, but, his um, labels delete that. Yeah, so like you know, there's some there's some stuff out there if you do that. Um, so there's a few like bits and pieces here. There's like the Janet Jackson remix. There's the EP on YouTube. There's like if you go look at his first SoundCloud release, all these like bits and pieces, you know, of things that are out there. Which if you're a a digger, a digital dig crate digger or whatever, you can you can digital, go out there and find, you know, a digital digger. <laughs> Yeah, there's probably, I mean, yeah, this would be a fun guy to, to dive in and see what's on the internet yeah, from yeah. his early stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff that we weren't able to find. Right. Or that yeah. a lot of people don't even know about that's not really publicized. Well, there's some of the stuff he talked about. Yeah, like, um, like he said, his, fir his first, someone asked him what his first track was that he sampled. And he said it was Earth, Wind, and Fire's song September which he made into a house banger when he was 15 years old, he says. But then I think his brother was in the audience when he answered this question and he disputed it. And he was like, no, there was something else that you did. Oh, like, really? And it, yeah, and he was like, oh, really? And, he, and, then, and then he sort of corrected <laughs> himself like, oh, really? and he was like, well, maybe it was the second thing I sampled. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. fair <laughs> enough. His brother's like, bro, I was there. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, but yeah, so like all that has to say is just like, you know, he he's... He's been doing stuff and, you know, there's mm -hmm. um, bits and pieces out there. But yeah. Not 100%. But 2016, though. So that officially album. brings us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, his first proper album, 99.9% Yeah, is the name of that. Cool yeah. album art. Pretty yeah. psychedelic, pretty colorful. Yeah. Um, so he's coming out strong. He's coming out hot. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a solid album all the way through. Yeah. Uh, a few features. Um, 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 vocalist. He doesn't do any vocals himself. No, just if we didn't say that before, he doesn't play any instruments either. He said he did like when he was uh, younger, tried to do some piano lessons, but then his mum ran out of money and couldn't pay for his lessons anymore, so he had Fair. to stop doing that. Um, so yeah, purely, um, purely like production and ear. Yeah, ear, I'm, like, yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm questioning it. Is there a lot of organic pr production on here at all or like is it is it pretty strictly electric i think it's i think everything he does is sampled but the, right but as he's moved forward like the first track we played tonight was called bus ride which is the second track off of his debut album um and it had the drums on that were provided by kareem riggins who's mm -hmm. a like a really great drummer um that's out there and so you know he recorded him and then cut it up and mess with it and put so you know there is original live instrumentation in his stuff but okay yeah. it's from like guests musicians gotcha. and stuff like that yeah no yeah. great yeah but i mean yeah this is um there's 15 tracks yeah and a bunch of features so he's working like you said with drummers instrumentalists yeah. um river tibber yeah don't know that person um yeah. but i mean like bands that we do know bad bad not good mm -hmm. anderson pack um who else we got craig david yeah sid yeah. Little Dragon. Yeah. Shay Lee. Um Anderson Pack. Yeah, Anderson Pack. Yeah. Vic Mensa. Don't know some of these, yeah. but yeah, yeah. obviously some huge names. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm sure all these guys are very talented. Yeah. So And the way he works with them is um he said it's just purely just by remotely. Um Oh, he doesn't even meet these people. Yeah. So even way before COVID he was working remotely on his music. He was ahead of the game. Um yeah. He said that uh, that's the way he prefers to work. He likes to send people beats and if they like it, then they can do something, record it and then send it back to him. Mm -hmm. And then he continues. Um, he said there are people that don't like to work that way, that like to get into a studio. Um, he said he's actually not comfortable with being in a studio, doing, mm -hmm. working in that way. At least not yet. Like maybe he might do that in the future, but he said like he likes being in his own environment, you know, kind of working in his own world. Right. Coming up with things. It's like more comfortable for him than being around others in yeah. the studio and stuff I, like that. Yeah. I think I really relate with that because yeah. I, I just feel the same way. Like you're working on music and you know cool things happen. Yeah. But you don't know when that magic's gonna happen. So sometimes you're in a studio with your band or with your artist, whatever, and you just kinda don't know when that magic's gonna hit. Could yeah. be early in the morning, could be late. Yeah. Could take a long time after a bunch of work or it could be spontaneous out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, so I'd rather just be like at my own home studio or doing whatever I want with my life yeah. while they make that magic happen. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then yeah. they just send it and I just hear it. Yeah. yeah. And I could have it. Yeah, yeah. And 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 vice versa. Yeah. I could work on it with all the time that I need. You know, if I don't feel like doing it right now, I'm not inspired. I can go come back later. Right. And then when I have something that I feel like showing somebody, then I can send it back to that artist. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm not that I've done that this much or too much, but I'm more interested in doing that more yeah. and ha- having that be the way that I operate yeah. with other artists. I just relate to K. Trinata that way. Yeah, yeah. Is, is the point of what I'm saying. No, I think there's like a lot of value in that because it's hard like... Um, I think it, it, you know if you're in a studio, it depends what you're doing, like right. If because um, like, are you working on a specific yeah. project, project, or are we just two musicians who are like, hey, let's be in the same room and see if anything happens? Yeah. Like, is there a plan? Yeah. Is there a goal? I feel like, yeah, like when there's when the ideation is happening, I think it can be cool to be around other people, right? But when it comes time to like finessing um parts yeah like or whatever picking up the the right voicing for the chord yeah. the right chord yeah then then it sort of it can be distracting to be around it could people. just be tedious or tedious it, yeah it's tedious yeah. busy work sometimes yeah yeah not not busy work that it's like dismissive like that but sometimes you don't need 10 people being like put your finger here put your finger yeah here. right like yeah, micromanaging yeah, yeah, yeah. you know because everyone's gonna have an idea, and it's just like, uh, it's just that's like, the thing about people. We all have yeah, ideas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been in multiple situations, and I'm I'm working on a project right now, which is like, you know, we're in the writing phase, and we're really great at coming up with ideas in the studio, but we're trying to figure out what the workflow is for like turning those ideas into finished songs. Right. Like, which is not, you know, so we're moving from a live environment of live musicians coming up with things and jamming to trying to like put that in the computer and then who's going to, who's going to work on that? Who's going to cut this up? Who's going to like, you know, cause it's supposed to be an equal thing with everyone, but then, but then someone you, has to produce it kind of. Someone's got to like, engineer. Yeah, someone's yeah. got to sit and type yeah. the thing. Someone's got to play it while someone records. Yeah. Jobs. And also just be, I guess, be the producer because like the, the role of the producer as well is not necessarily always to do the hands-on work although that can in this day and age is part of it mm-hmm. but the the more important thing is to have the like the creative director ear right? yeah the art the musical director ear mm-hmm. of like being like you know well all of these ideas are great but you know let's drop this part and this part and this part because it's not this working one first, see where yeah we... and let's focus on this thing and then like you know and, it's and, focus like yeah, you said yeah that's a good word to say like the, a producer can help you focus on ideas yeah. And and Keishinada has said this himself. He said he's the final judge. Like mm. so, basically, he sends out all of these things to all of these collaborators, and they send back whatever it is—drums, vocals, you know. And he's like, "Is it hot or not?" He literally said, "Is it hot or not?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's the judge, and it's like, if it's not good, he's not going to use it. Yeah. But if it's good, then is it's it like, or not? <laughs> okay, yeah. He literally said that. Is it hot or not? Um. And that's the, you know, that's the way he likes to work. He even did this with this guy, Craig David, who's featured on his album. And Craig David is like a big soul singer in the UK. I didn't really like him. He was like pop, pop, pop in, mm. the, in the... Not your style. When I was growing up. Yeah, not not really into it. But um, but he's he's on a feature on Cajunata and... I'm still, I still, I'm still not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> still, after it, 20 years, it's not my cup of tea. Sorry, man. Fair but enough. like, uh, you know, but 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 he's a big artist, and it was funny because Kajunada said his sisters were listening to his stuff, mm. you know, and then one day he found out that Craig David was following him on Twitter, and he was like, "What?" Dang. You know, it's kind of like if D'Angelo started following you or whatever. It's like, what? Like that's kind of cool. Yeah, and then they ended up getting in contact, and like. That's also what Cajun has said. A lot of his collaborations have come through Twitter, Twitter things, mm-hmm. or or meeting people on the road, like right. the tours. But but like a lot of times, just like oh, this person's following me. And he said it was. Mm-hmm. It always had to be like if they liked his music. If they liked his music and they were following him, then it'd feel comfortable enough contacting them and slide into send, those DMs, sending them material. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, because if you're not, if they're not into it, then why would he? It's a bit kind of weird. Send stuff that you love that you're like, Like, uh, vulnerable about. Yeah. yeah. And then send it off to somebody who's like, what the hell did you just send me? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Did you see what that guy just sent me? (laughs) 
But anyway, time for another track. It's time for a track. What do you got loaded up for us? Uh, let's play another one off 99.9%, right? Did we even play one off 99 yet? I opened up the show, but it's oh, been, that's right. But it, I realize it's been 49 minutes. And we have, and we've, we're on a time limit a little bit on this episode. Yeah. Uh, we haven't, well, I played a few snippets of other things, but let's play this full track mm -hmm. called Together from 99.9%. Together by Kate Trinata featuring Aluna George and Goldlink from his album, debut album, 99.9%. So as you can hear, it just sounds good. Yeah. It sounds modern, yeah. you know, but obviously paying homage to, you know, yeah, I don't even, even stuff like disco. Yeah, um, there's some like vibes in there mm -hmm. from 90s. Yeah something yeah no 100 percent. Yeah. Yeah, so we got like little disco vibes we got like 90s yeah. pop and r&b vibes yeah. but it, I mean, it just sounds really crisp really good really groovy really competent yeah. you know like everything sounds where it should be nothing yeah. sounds out of place it sounds just well produced yeah yeah so that's what i'm talking about as far as kitchenata goes and that's what he's bringing to the table and it's pretty much like that with the whole album yeah, yeah. um which is why i think this guy's pretty impressive yeah. The rest of his discography is good too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but especially with these these two albums that he's come out with, they're just honed in that much more, and they're really tight. Yeah, you know, complex production, a lot of things going on, a lot of sampling and electronic stuff, and it yeah. melds together very well. Yeah, yeah, and he has great control over it. Yeah, um, ninety nine point nine percent won that year, two thousand sixteen's Polaris Music Prize. Yeah, I heard uh, about this. Yeah, because it that, that's a Canadian music award. Mm -hmm. And um, apparently, like he, uh, well, he was the first black artist to win that award. Oh, apparently. was he? I yeah. didn't know that. Um, but it's only been around since two thousand six, I think, the award as well. Um, but he said, like traditionally, that was sort of it's kind of like the Mercury Music Prize in the UK, where they like I think it's like a select group of nominees. It's not like the Grammys, Grammy, Grammys. <laughs> The Grammys where there's like multiple categories and that. It's, uh -huh. I think it's about albums. Like in the, So like the Mercury Music Prize is like a short list of albums that mm -hmm. nominated. And I think it's the way for the Polaris Music Prize as well. And, okay, nice. And, uh, and yeah, he's like the first person of this genre of music because traditionally it's like pop stuff or country stuff that, mm -hmm. that wins this award or whatever. Not so much from the, the EDM electronics. Yeah, scene. yeah. And so, you know... He's like happy that that is starting to be recognized in Canada, right? Because um, apparently he was because he did make a tweet. He, he tweets, you know, so he's like, it's all uh, over the Twitter. Yeah, um, like he said that the Canadian music scene is out of touch. It's like something that he tweeted at one point, and uh, before he won, I think yeah, because the interviewer asked him, I was like, well, now you've won. How do you feel about that? And he was like, well, a little less. Like, is that? Uh, I was actually, like, I really support them. They yeah, make good decisions. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, but I think, you know, it's it's interesting because we don't really, it's like, yeah, we, like the, there is a whole scene in Canada and a whole different mainstream media and everything and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. that you know, that maybe we don't think about so much in America. Um or, I mean, it's the same for every country, right? Like, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's happening in every country that is mainstream and they have their own awards and stuff like that. Yeah. And like, you know, I know, at least for me, being in America, it can feel like a bubble sometimes where you're mm -hmm. just thinking about this stuff, you know. Very much. But um, but you forget what's happening elsewhere. And, you know, I think he was kind of thinking and it wasn't really that forward thinking in Canada, but it, they're making strives and... Yeah, he did. He won the award for that yeah. album. So, I mean, but, yeah, yeah. you know, um, kudos to him because he's yeah. helping this progress move along. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, he's, he's kind of a part of this thing. Yeah. Um, and that's great to see him helping move culture 
yeah. our general culture of society along. Yeah. Get us a little more progressive. Yeah. Move us into the future. It is 2022 after all. Can we drop the whole racism thing? You know? Well, yeah. Well, there's so many other things to... Uh, yeah. uh, as an addition like yeah, that yeah. we need to drop Plus like, this, yeah, yeah. Um, also in 2017 he won the Juno Award for Electronic Album of the Year right so this guy's just winning mm. he's winning mm. at life he's making good music <laughs> making good friends mm-hmm. and making a name for himself mm-hmm. uh, inching his way towards a possible legendary status yeah, yeah. we don't know yet yeah um, so yeah he's doing good 99.9 I think we've said all we needed to say yeah he won multiple awards. He was doing good. Great yeah. debut album. Yeah, yeah, I think he he was, and he went back on, or he went to the label RCA at this point. Oh, really? After right. 2016? Yeah, yeah. Or or in you know somewhere in this time period between 2017 2018. Yeah, his second album came out on RCA. Okay, right. Papa in 2019. So, yeah. I think right before that, nothing like you slash chances was an EP that came out. Yeah, and that was. Um, he, I think it was made with Ty Dolla Sign yeah. and Shay Leah. Okay. And yeah, I think that was 2017 or so. But then, yeah, like you said, 2019 yeah. was Bubba, his second um, also award winning. I think he also won the award winning or the, the Juno Award. Yeah. Um, for the album Bubba, like you said. Yeah. Well, he, he had a failed album um, that he was going to call Katra Thomas. I'm not sure where in the timeline this fits but basically like he put this whole album together he made announcements he said it was going to come out um but then by the time he was ready to put it out he scrapped it Hmm. (laughs) because he was like i've moved on musically (laughs) (laughs) and it's like wow i think maybe he's bored of it like it wasn't he wasn't vibing with it so i put it out you know interesting Um, the whole album's worth an lp yeah um, I mean, this guy has a lot of unreleased music, right? From his early days. I mean, he's making beats every day since right. the age of 15. So, you know, he has a lot of stuff that um, is never going to come out, you know. Um, he has yeah, a big backlog of work yeah, that he could yeah. and, grab stuff from. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, people were asking him like when you know, in there was a red, there's a Red Bull um, Academy mu- uh, interview on YouTube with him. It's like pretty long, it's like an hour. Oh, long. I did see it. it's like an hour for fifteen minutes. Or something. Yeah, and uh, you know, people ask him in the audience like, "What was the first thing you sampled and all that?" And he like he opens his laptop and is like, "Hmm, do I still have it?" And he's like, you know, so like if he's thinking that way, he knows he has a lot of shit that he's not putting out there. So right, it's like. um but that's the thing, you know, you, you're a, uh, as a, a curator of your own music, you know, mm-hmm. you're an artist or a DJ, it's like not everything has to be put out. Right. You know, if you're a painter, you could paint 100 paintings, but only let the public see one of them or whatever. Like, yeah, and I think you'll hear a lot of artists will yeah. say, like, to get to that good stuff, like yeah. that masterpiece or that stuff, something that you're really proud of, yeah. you kind of got to get this this less fun stuff out of the way yeah, exactly just yeah. get your mind right like yeah. get these ideas out that are flooding your mind blocking other good ideas yeah, yeah. um just yeah. getting these things out so you can learn from it and then move on to something bigger and better mm-hmm. yeah. um so i could definitely see that that's great yeah and i mean i would say that's advice too like just put something out like this guy's doing he just put something out and then things will happen yeah exactly yeah so yeah do it yeah. the case you're not away yeah um, so this album's good. Like I said, Juno Award winning second album. Yeah. Um, featuring Tidra Moses, Kali mm-hmm. Ukis, mm-hmm. Masago, Masago. Yeah. I don't know how you say that. But there's a, a bunch of contributors and features on this album as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, stylistically, mostly the same. Yeah. You know, electronic, sample, kind of, you know, I don't know. I want to call everything chill wave. <laughs> <laughs> It's your new uh, favorite genre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's chill wave. Everything is chill wave. The Beatles, chill wave. <laughs> yeah. Led Zeppelin, they're pretty chill too. Corn, chill yeah. wave. Corn, chill wave. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't let them hear yeah. us say that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, do we have a, let's play a track off Bubba. Yeah, I, yeah, I had yeah. one loaded up. It's the one with Kali Ukis that I, um, okay, one yeah. that I gravitated towards and I really like it. 10% because Keishinaja likes his percentages. Yeah, apparently. <laughs>
featuring Kelly. She's so I mean, it, it's bumpy, you know, in a bumping. good way. It's like it's bopping. Yeah, that's something he said about um, when he's making music. Like, um, it has to have that head nod for him. Mm-hmm. That's what that's the like, main incorporating. Yeah, it has to um, like um, like he said, the music is making has to like make you want to move. Mm-hmm. That's what he says. It's a good and roar, th- roar. Yeah, and I think you can feel that like through his music. Like he's not really doing chill wave yeah. <laughs> you know no yeah i mean some of his stuff sounds chill like chill vibes i mean it's like up up tempo chill wave you know yeah <laughs> but i think like he's saying as he's producing it's like you want to have fun you want to feel it through your body you want to be able to like do some kind of movement he said if it's not mm-hmm. doing that for him then he's not going to put it out so Fair. maybe that's like a, a criteria like yeah you know of all of his unreleased stuff kind of quantify like, if it's hitting his standard yeah, or not yeah yeah and um you know and a few other things he said about that like um uh the uh like some of the collaborations is he said like people that know swing like swing uh, is kind of what he said the way he put it is like um like he he actually worked with andre 3000 who hit Hmm. him up like one time and he went and did a studio session with him and he said that Andre 3000 told him that he liked the way he programmed his drums. Like, nice. um, and it's because it has that swing in it and, and there's some movement in there mm-hmm. that is happening kind of thing, um, which is intangible, but it's tangible with you, if you can. It's almost like subconscious, yeah, like you yeah. don't really hear it. Yeah, yeah. It, it almost sounds like your ears are like, like it's straightforward, right. but yeah, yeah. in reality, it, it's swaying. It's like the and space your, between. Your subconscious feels it more than you hear it. Yeah, exactly. Kinda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. the way it's kind of perceived or something. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not, I don't mean to go so esoteric. No, no. I mean, I mean, he he does. He goes esoteric. Well, it, so. Yeah, yeah. It's fair. <laughs> um, he said even he said his mother, my mum can learn how to make beats. Is something mm. that Cajun artist said. Um, uh, he's, he's come that far where he didn't know how to do it and now he's saying <laughs> no he's saying he's monkey yeah but he, he you know he said you just have to bring your own funk and originality mm-hmm. um to it you know um so it's not i think maybe one of the points he was trying to make is like technically anyone can do it but you have to apply like the ear and the vibe to it mm-hmm. to, to, to really come out of it with something you know something unique so, yeah something novel yeah, so like maybe like for a lot of people out there that may be making beats on their computer or whatever, it's like you can learn all the stuff, you can do it, mm-hmm. but is it working? Is it is it? That's still just like the first, um, you know, step. Yeah, yeah. Like okay, I can hit the buttons, I know how to make yeah. the sounds, but then yeah. what do you do once you have that? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it's like oh, you know how to play piano, you know how to play guitar, you know how to play drums. Yeah, yeah. Like awesome, but that doesn't mean you recorded an album with all those instruments. That's the thing, yeah, you got to, and I think that's like a one, maybe a pivotal step that a lot of people overlook mm-hmm. in music creation is like, yes, you have to have skill, but more in, I think I probably said this before to people, I, I feel like music is like 10% skill and 90% vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, because you don't have to be the most skilled person to have soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, like, a, lot, a lot of times the opposite. Yeah, you can you can be a sloppy guitar player, mm-hmm. but if you've got that soul, then all of a sudden you're applying this rhythm to it. Yeah, you maybe only know like four chords or whatever, but if you play them in the right way in the right rhythm, Nirvana. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. You know. Yeah. Then you know you got something. You know you got it. It's like, uh, and that's what it's about. It's about the, and that's what people connect to, right? You know, yeah. that's what we like in music when that, we that hear humanistic, something. Yeah, it's like that. Something's thing. human. Yeah, yeah, that's a connection. Yeah, yeah. like I, I vibe with that frequency. Like, you know, yeah. physically vibe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I vibe with those vibes. Yeah. The other thing, though, he did have to say about his parents is that um, apparently there's a Neptune's documentary out there about mm. making music. He said he had to play that documentary to his parents like three times so they could understand what the role of a music producer is. Oh, it's like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. And he said, but they still didn't get it until he went on tour and started making money out of music. And then they were like, oh, okay. Oh, there's money involved. (laughs) Oh, I like it. Yeah. Now your music sounds good. Which is, you know, I mean. I mean, they're they're a different generation coming from a different. Whoa, yeah. Not from a music world. And being immigrants as well, like going to, you know, a democratic country. It, it probably wasn't a viable thing to become a producer in Haiti and tour Haiti yeah. and make money. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, it still isn't like anywhere really, right? I mean, people, <laughs> I mean but, it's a bad idea to become a musician. Well, this is the problem. It's like, as people, we enjoy entertainment, but we don't really, like most people don't understand the sacrifices that the people that make entertainment have to go through mm-hmm. in order for you to enjoy it. Right? Yeah. You know, like everyone that acts in a movie, makes a movie, plays a song, makes a song, they've had to go through all of this struggle and people telling them to quit. Yeah. You know, and, 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 but you have to fight every creative person. It seems like has to fight through that struggle in order to do their thing. Right. You know, and then you're like, yeah, we, we sit at home and we fire up Netflix like it's no thing, mm-hmm. you know, and we don't think about the struggles that every act, t- every, granted. every individual actor had to go through all of their own struggles. Mm-hmm. The people behind the scenes had to go through their own struggles to get to that moment because nothing's handed to you in that. Like no one, yeah. no one comes to you and says like, star in this Quentin Tarantino movie. Or yeah, you, they write all, this movie. each one of those people had to work yeah. in their own right. Being yeah. an unknown person had to fight their way to get in front of those cameras on yeah. that production team, whatever. Yeah, and it's like, it still vexes me that people, uh, most people don't understand that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and just encouraging people to not do that. Right. Go to school and become a doctor or whatever. It's like, you know, well then, who's going to entertain you? And After you finish your doctor job, at yeah, the end of the day, you know? it's, it's scary because if <laughs> yeah. they, if you know, if they don't, they don't know the intricacies about music, but they're talking about it like they do. Yeah, like that's not a good way to go. Don't do that. Become yeah. a doctor, right? And like maybe, but actually, even... you don't know anything about that. Exactly, world, so like you don't know you, anything yeah. about that either. So yeah. why are you telling me to go down this route that <laughs> both are unknown? Yeah, that's true. So don't tell, don't teach me something that you don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. And I don't mean to sound so like. Um, oppositional right there no but it's but like i'm not talking to you obviously yeah um but you know that energy is there i think i put it yeah. out anyway yeah, yeah so you know and I, and I say all this because you know i've been lucky my parents have supported me doing all my crazy creative shit but i know that's not always the way for everyone you know like right um but like but you know i still feel like i'm struggling like I, i'm not you know, I'm not where I want to be, like with any of this stuff, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, um, but for Kachinada, the reason, you know, like he, his parents are very strict with him, and you know, not. I mean, I'm sure he loves his parents. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that, like, he's he, there was there was a certain amount of oppression on him to mm-hmm. not not do this. Yeah, and you know, in a, and, in a cool yeah. backwards way like yeah. he's his parents still probably instilled a lot of skills that he was able to use as far as yeah. decision making and yeah, yeah and having confidence in yourself yeah, yeah. to make decisions that people are saying yeah. don't do that yeah yeah. You know, yeah so they you know one way or another they helped yeah push him to who he is today yeah, yeah. one way or another so that was kate Chinata. uh yeah i let's 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 go ahead and wrap this up because i think yeah. our cameras are gonna die we've got three minutes left on the cameras okay yeah. um <laughs> Uh, yeah, Catronado returned in 2021 with the Intimidated EP, featuring collaborations with her Thundercat, Mac Homie, mm. Mac Homie. I don't know how to say it. Mm. You guys know better than me. Let me know. Mm. But that's Catronado. Yes. Listen to 99.9 percent. Yes. And then listen to Bubba. Yes. And then go find the earliest thing you can find of Catronadamus yeah. and, and yeah. just explore. Go rifle through his SoundCloud mm-hmm. and search some things on youtube because yeah. there's stuff that are that, that is out there that is outside of these albums that is not yes on these albums so um but uh hit us up um roots to grooves at signalradio.com s-i-g-n-l radio.com if you want to say something write a youtube comment you can tweet at us at at roots to grooves you can go to rootsgrooves.com to listen to every episode with no commercial interruption yeah and let uh, us know how our production is what we're messing up what we can do more of yeah looking for advice we're here to learn we're here to grow yeah thank you for listening this has been roots to grooves i'm gonna play out with puff la from bubba katronada's second album because this is kind of catchy i think i'm i'm down
Grooves to Grooves is a production of Signal Radio. For more music and independent culture, visit signalradio.com. That's S-I-G-N-L radio.com.